Amen. Come on, can we give it up for the uh, for these two up here? Aren't they amazing? And they're so cute. Can I say that? Is that? <laughs> well, good morning, church. How's everybody feeling today? Awesome. I love the energy over on this side. I don't know about this side, but it is the final Sunday of 2018. All right, both of you excited? All right, cool. <laughs> we made it. We made it to the final Sunday. Can you give, your, give yourselves a round of applause? High five somebody. Get excited. Okay, don't. Okay. It's going to be a tough morning. All right. But this is the week where we, uh, we're kind of recovering from the holidays. Anybody glad that like Thanksgiving and Christmas is over? Anybody? I'll get a, get a clap for that. Okay, cool. Uh, but this is the, this is the week where we kind of we kind of recover and we um, you know families are still together and you know the the distant families are, are maybe leaving going back to wherever they came from and um, we plan trips to the snow the kids are going back to school uh, we re- relax a little bit some people skip church not you guys and we make New Year's resolutions New Year's resolutions now I did a search on the uh, illustrious World Wide Web. And these are the top, uh, consistently throughout the years, these are the top New Year's resolutions, if we could put those up. The top resolutions each and every year, and every year they kind of vary a little bit, but uh, these are the, the top resolutions. Exercise more. I could use a little of that. Lose weight. I could also lose, use a little bit of that. Uh, get organized. Learn a new skill or hobby. This one doesn't make any sense to me. Live life to the fullest. I don't get that because like, you can't measure that. I'm very much a... Like, how do I measure living life to the fullest? Uh, Let's continue. We have uh, saving more money. That's great. That's good. Uh, uh, Spending less money. Quit smoking. That's a good, good one. Uh, Spend more time with family and friends. Travel more and read more. These are all all amazing New Year's resolutions. Anybody ever seen the movie The Sandlot? Come on. Come on. If If you know movies, you know The Sandlot. This was like, this has to be like on the top, like, 63 greatest movies of all time, right? There's like... (laughs) <laughs> there's, uh, you know, like, like Shawshank Redemption is up there. There's like American Sniper, Rudy, Glory. And then like somewhere in the top 63 is, uh, is the Sandlot. But there's a quote in the Sandlot that I kind of titled the message after today. Um, it's, if you know about Benny, he's the best player on the team. He's in this baseball movie, if you guys don't know. Um, Babe Ruth, of all people, comes to his dreams and visits him in a dream and shares this nugget of wisdom with him. Watch what, watch what the babe has to say to Benny. Remember, kid, there's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered, but legends never die. Follow your heart, kid. You never go wrong. That's deep. That's deep. Remember, kid, there's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered, but legends never die. And I'm going to title the message today, uh, remember, church, there's resolutions and there's commitments. Resolutions get remembered sometimes, but commitments never die. Follow your heart and you'll never go wrong. See, there's a difference between uh, resolutions and commitments. There's, there's definitely a difference between the two because a, a resolution is something that we kind of make at the end of the year. We kind of, uh, we, we, based on the date, uh, we, we make a decision to change something about ourselves normally. Uh, I guess I wish we could make resolutions about other people. That would be kind of weird, right? Like, 
I, I, have, I make this resolution to have my wife, you know, cook better. I don't know. Like, that, not me. I was just, that was a, I love you, babe. But the definition of a resolution is a firm decision to do or not to do something. See, the problem with a resolution is that there is rarely accountability, rarely sustainability, and it is incredibly rare for a resolution to turn into a lifestyle. A resolution does not mean that it turns into a lifestyle. 80%, according to U.S. News, 80% of all New Year's resolutions fail by February 1st. <laughs> that's garbage. Like, that's really bad. So, like, like, 80% by February 1st, I can't even imagine, like, how many resolutions actually stick to the end of the year. That's, I didn't even look that far because that's the only, like, wisdom I needed from the internet. Um, So 80% fail. So if we are resolution people, that means that our commitments or our resolutions, statistically speaking, are not very good. But here's the thing. We aren't resolution people. We are commitment people. You can nod your head at me if you agree with that. We aren't resolution people. We are commitment people. And I want you to remember that. We aren't resolution people. We are commitment people. Because commitments... Uh, A commitment is a state or quality of being dedicated to a cause. It's not just the decision to do it. It's the act of actually being in that decision and walking it out. Commitments are not made on a whim. Commitments require hard work and determination. Commitments are challenging. They're often intimidating, and they are always rewarding. What do I mean by this? See, nobody ever said at the bank, I make a resolution to pay my mortgage on time. That would be dumb. You'd probably lose your house. Nobody said on the altar on their wedding day, honey, I make a resolution to love you and to be faithful to you forever and ever. No, you make a commitment. When you sign up for commitment, it is the act of actually being in the process of doing this thing. Resolutions fail. Commitments never fail. You with me? Yeah, both of you? All right. See, I don't want, I don't want 2019. It's okay. I don't, you know, <laughs> I don't want 2019 to be a year where I make a resolution to live a better life for the Lord, my Christian life to be a little bit better, to read a little bit more, to pray a little bit more, to teach my kids a little bit more. I don't want to make a resolution. I want to make commitments to do so. I want to make a commitment to my family to be the husband, to be the father that God has called me to be. Anybody else with me? I want to make a commitment to be the leader of my household that God has called me to be, to be the person in my job that God has called me to be, to be the person, the servant in church that God has called me to be. I don't want 2019 to be a year of resolutions for Jesus. I want to live committed to Jesus, committed to his church, committed to loving people. I want to commit to telling the world that there is only one way to be saved and his name is Jesus and he loves you. He lives on the inside of me today and I'm going to stand up and tell the world that Jesus lives. You with me? Amen. All right. See, we don't change how we act with the Lord based upon a date in a calendar. We change based on how he's changed us. You understand that? We we don't make resolutions. We make commitments. And and so here we are about to step into 2019. And when I think of going into a new year, I think... Uh, Every year, for some reason, I think of the the Israelites about to step into the promised land. If you go to Numbers chapter 13 and 14, um, I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's kind of long and I'll just summarize it. If anybody ever seen the movie The Prince of Egypt, it has to be like top 163, right? It's a good one. I think Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston were in that. Like, they were singing a song. It was great. So... But you know the story. If you don't know the story, we're going to take you through the story. So the story starts out in Egypt... uh, 
God's people, the Israelites, they're enslaved, making bricks without straw. They're working hard. They're not getting paid. They're, they're in slavery. And all of a sudden, God calls a leader named Moses, and Moses comes up, and he says, you, you've seen the movie, right? The Prince of Egypt, let my people go. And he stands there, and all these frogs fall out of the sky and all this stuff. Kids are dying. All this stuff happens, right? And then, so Pharaoh says, uh, you know, go ahead, take your people. So they go, and they come to the edge of the Red Sea. The Red Sea, because Moses picks up a stick, and it, like, parts and they walk across it and they're like freedom right and they're walking across and they're going across on dry land the bible says which is an amazing story that'll preach all by itself and then so they go across and then the waters come pharaoh gone egypt gone right and so they go into the sinai peninsula and they're walking around walking around for 40 years 40 years they're just kind of wandering around all of a sudden like bread starts falling from heaven like food starts falling from heaven this is crazy this is a true story right this is a nut the nut story okay and so they're going and they're doing their thing and they're lost and they're wandering. Talk about wandering, right? 40 years of wandering, that's crazy. And so they're going and they're like, Moses is hitting rocks. There's water falling out of rocks and all this stuff. Moses climbs a mountain, his face catches on fire. All this stuff is going on. God writes with a finger on some tablets, comes down. These are the Ten Commandments and they go and they're doing all this stuff. And they come down and like, oh, we try to turn our back on God, make some golden calves and then all this stuff. And then, oh, no, we'll come back to God. And then all of a sudden, God brings them to the edge of the promised land. You with that? You, you follow that? Okay. It's pretty much the history of, of, of the Israelites, like, in 30 seconds. So, because that's easy to do. Um, so, God brings them to the edge of the promised land. And God says to Moses, I need you to send in 12 spies, one representing each of the tribes of Israel. And as you go into the land, I want them to spy out the land. Send out 12 spies. And as they come back, I want them to report on what they've seen. Is the land good? Is it, is it fertile? How, who, are, who are the people? How are the people? Are there... Are there all these different things? Well, go tell the spies to check it out. And so they do. And they go, and here we are. Uh, the spies come back. Ten of them give a negative report. Negative Nancys. Two of them, Caleb and Joshua, come back, and they see things a little bit different. See, I, I think the Israelites would have done a little bit better if they would have come to Adventure Church on the last Sunday of 2018 and had heard a sermon about New Year's commitments. I think they would have been, I think they're doing okay, but they would have been better. Anyways, so here we are, 2019 New Year's commitments. Are you ready? We're going to break down three commitments that we, as we follow along the story of the Israelites, we're going to walk through the commitments that we're going to take with us into 2019. Okay? Number one, I commit to stop complaining and stop making excuses. Dang. Um, <laughs> I'm guilty right here. Like, if anybody else is guilty, can you wave your hand at me because make me not feel alone? Okay, thank you. See, I, like, I feel like this is something that we do just as God's people, like all the time, Christians, Israelites, we're all complainers, right? Everybody wants to make an excuse. Everybody wants to complain. Check out Numbers 13, 27. They come back and they, it says, they gave this, Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. They brought back some of the fruit from the promised land. And they come and they report back to Moses. And then verse 28, it says, but the people. Here, here's the thing. Some of us need to stop following our butts. Your butts are getting too big. Your butts are getting in the way of what God is doing in your life. The people of Israel did not, they, they, their butts were just, they were massive. B-U-T, for those listening online, so like they can't, they don't know what's going on. Um, but the, the thing is, we make excuses, and they, and, and, and they, make ex, they made excuses here. It says, but the people 
who live in the land. So they affirm what God said, and they go into the land, and they see that it's good. It's flowing with milk and honey, just like God had promised them. And all of a sudden, but the people who live there are powerful. And this is, how they, this is probably how it sounded. The people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites. All of these ites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live there near the sea along the Jordan. Really? Really? You just walked around the desert for 40 years watching oceans part and you watched bread fall from the sky and you saw water pour out of rocks and your leader's face was shining like the glory of God. All of this stuff and God brought you out of Egypt, out of slavery and you're worried about some tall people and some walls. Really? This is really what we're, what we're worried about? See, most people who get lost in the desert die within three days. You walked around for 40 years. What are you complaining about? It continues. Numbers 14, chapter 2 says, All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Egypt was slavery for these people. And they wanted to go back. See, I I view this as like ancient Facebook complaining. If there was ancient Facebook on tablets back in the day, like I feel like these people would have spent a lot of time on the tablet. Get it? Complaining. I just made that up right now. It was awesome. And they would have complained and complained and told their friends, this is, we should go back, and this is, no, God is no good anymore. I want to ask the question today, are we complaining or are we remembering? Are we complaining or are we remembering? See, there's a a lot of things that we as, as church people complain about. We complain about our spouses sometimes. I know my wife does. They're not this enough. They're not that enough. We complain about our kids. They don't listen enough. Or they're, they're too this. They're too that. We complain about our jobs. Well, it doesn't pay enough. It doesn't, you know, I, I, I don't have enough fun at work. Or I don't enjoy it that much. Or we complain about the people around us. Or our neighbors. Or all these things. Uh, you know, we complain about church. Scott's not tall enough. Like all of these different things, right? <laughs> don't tell him I said that. <laughs> but... Man, I'm messed up. Um, (laughs) But I want you to do something. I want you to remember where you were before you met Jesus. I want you to remember what, what God took you out of. Maybe you were in spiritual slavery representing Egypt. And I want you to think about the joy that you did not have, the peace that you did not have, the love in your heart that you did not have. I want you to remember where you were before you met Jesus. Because it's always good to remember where you came from in order to know where you're going. You with me? If we walked around this room and we, spent, we could spend hours listening to people share their testimony, listen to people tell about how Jesus has changed their life, has transformed their life, taken them from nothing to something, given them a new hope, a future, all of these different things, we could listen to that forever. If God provided for us in the wilderness and kept us alive while we were wandering... How much more will he provide for us as he gives us the new promised land? As we step into 2019, I want you to remember what you came out of. Not going back to it, but remember 
and always thanking God for what he did for you. What does the Bible say about complaining? Philippians 2.14 says this, do everything. Now, I'm not like Charles Spurgeon or anything, theologian, um, but everything I'm pretty sure means everything. See, because I think we interpret the Bible to mean like some things, but the Bible says do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. I don't know about you, but I want to be blameless and pure in the sight of God. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Hello, 2018. When you, uh, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. I love the Bible because it tells us exactly what to do. Do everything without complaining or grumbling or arguing. Do all of the, everything that you do, it. do it without complaining. And then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. There's a reason that Jesus said we're the light of the world. Right there. If you don't complain about everything that God has given you and you remember where you came from and you do it, you become pure, you become blameless in the sight of God and then you will shine among the wicked and crooked generation outside. We got too many people complaining inside the church and they don't see our light outside the church. I want to shine and be the light of the world. So, number one, I commit to stop complaining and stop grumbling and stop making excuses. If that's you, if you want to do that, raise your hand with me. We'll make commitments right here, right now. All right, cool. All right, we're going to pray at the end so God sees you. <laughs> and I want to, we're going to keep each other accountable going into 2019. Stop complaining. If you hear complaining out in the hallway, just, just deck somebody and just tell them, you made a promise. What kind of church? Uh, Number two, I commit to keeping my focus. I love this. If you go to Numbers 14, chapter 7, it says, Caleb and Joshua said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Are you living a focused life? Are you focused? on what God called you to be focused on, your relationship with Jesus, your relationships with the people around you, uh, your family, your children. Are you living a healthy life spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically? Are you focused on what God has called you to focus on? See, these two men, Caleb and Joshua, um, they weren't distracted in the least bit by, with, by what everybody else had to say around them. They all came back with a negative report, said we should go back to Egypt. We should run away from the promise of God, literally the promise of God. Let's run away from it and go back to slavery. I had a young man uh, named Brian in my youth ministry years ago, and he was uh, fresh out of high school, and he had this vision to start an on-campus high school ministry. And uh, so we were like, all right, go for it, man. And so he started doing it, and he was just this crazy, like, he was a musician. He was very like, like, yeah, let's go tell everybody about Jesus, right? Like, much more than me. Like, you think I'm crazy. Watch out now. Um, so he was like, yeah, I'm going to go into public schools. I'm going to tell everybody about Jesus, and I think all of Elk Grove will get saved. Like, that was his, his vision. I was like, bro, do it. Handle your business, right? And so... He started trying to get support from all these leaders, all these pastors, and everybody in, his, in, in the local churches and stuff like that. And everybody told him, you can't do it. You're not eloquent enough. You're too radical. You aren't educated enough. You don't have what it takes. And you will never, ever do this thing that you're trying to do. You know what Brian did? 
Brian completely ignored everybody around him. It was amazing to watch. I was there. I witnessed him just completely ignore people. And sometimes that's a good thing. And Brian had the audacity to ignore some of the people in his life that were the loudest speakers around him, that were the most negative people around him. And today, he lives in Los Angeles, and he runs one of the most successful high school outreaches in the nation, in the largest school district in the nation. And I, he packs out literal the gyms at lunchtime on public campuses, thousands and thousands of kids. One are being fed pizza, and number two are hearing the gospel of Jesus. Why? Because Brian was focused. Brian didn't listen to the people around him. He didn't listen to the other 10 spies. And he also, oh, by the way, he authored his own book teaching others how to reach their high school campus for Jesus as well. And so he has a, a national uh, selling book where he teaches, he goes around and tells and instructs people how to reach their campuses for Jesus. He never lost focus of his dream. It didn't pay attention to the distractions. He committed to staying focused. And how do we eliminate distractions? Because if we could be honest, distractions are everywhere. People are always saying things. You with me? People just like, especially church people, they say some things that you're like, what, really? You know, really? Um, and, 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 and addictions are out there and there's temptation and all this stuff and there's all these distractions everywhere. So, so how do we eliminate distractions? Well, I'll tell you what I do. And this is weird, I know, but I want you to kind of put this into practice. I talk to myself. I know, it's hard to believe, right? Um, I constantly verbally remind myself the promises of God. And I don't know if, 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 if anybody has done this, but I read the Bible aloud, and I also, uh, I also talk to myself about what God has, has, has spoken over my life and what he has called me to be and who he has called me to be. See, I got to... I got to learn to tell myself, you know, I am a child of God. I am a present father. I am a hard worker. I am a devoted spouse. Uh, God will provide every need that I, that I have. God, uh, he has given me a future and a hope, and he will not forsake me. I overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. So you got to learn to quote scripture and speak it over your life, because if you don't speak it over your life and you don't allow God's voice to be the loudest voice in your life, then everybody else around you will suppress the voice of God, and all you will hear is the negative voices around you. So you have to speak the voice of God, the word of God over your life and commit to being focused. Why? Because we aren't resolution people. We are commitment people. Number three, and this is my, this is my final point. I commit to being different. Awesome. I love this story because the Bible says that none of the 10 spies and their inheritance inherited the promised land. Because they came back and they didn't trust God. They didn't believe God. They were negative with what the Lord had to say. They did not inherit the promised land. The Bible says that they fell short and they died in the wilderness. But Caleb and Joshua inherited the promised land. Numbers fourteen twenty four says this. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit. I love that. He has a different spirit. There's something different about you. There's something different about you because of what Jesus has done in your life. And he follows me wholeheartedly. I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. See, it seems like everybody these days wants to be different. If you watch the news, if you pay attention to culture, everybody's trying to be different. Everybody has a new hairstyle, which some of these hairstyles I don't understand. They're blue hair, purple hair, you know, confetti hair, Dennis Rodman hair, all, all this other stuff, right? Uh, everybody has, you know, the, the newest tattoo. They want uh, the new, newest piercing, different piercings. Um, there's different dances. 
okay, my son came home and did this. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, you, you look like you have a conniption in your pants. Like, there's something going on right now. That's an actual dance from an actual game that kids actually play, and they actually do these things. Anyways, fashion, there's different sexual orientations. Everybody wants to create the newest gender. All of these different things are going on. Everybody's trying to be different. It seems like everybody wants to be different. But if, if everyone is different, then actually none of them are different because they're all actually the same. So how do we truly become different when everyone is trying to stand out and be quote-unquote, different. If, if everybody is different, then there's no difference in us. Well, the only thing that makes us different is this, the word. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, you are different when you stop complaining, you focus on the promises of God, and you live a life dedicated to Jesus, putting off your old self and allowing God to live in and through you. Different comes when Jesus gets a hold of your life and does something that only he can do. And I'll end with this. A couple weeks ago, I had an opportunity to uh, do a little, uh, I guess you call it a remodel on my parents' house. There was a wall uh, with the fireplace and we can be honest it was ugly before they're here they know <laughs> they, it was ugly um, they aren't the original owners of the house so people had painted it they had they had done some work to it and all this stuff was there and and i as i worked on the wall and we were trying to make it you know modern and and, and cool putting up shiplap and all that stuff and painting all that and as I was working on the wall and installing all these things, I was like, I had this epiphany that this wall represents us. That wall represented me. And what do I mean by that? This wall, as I looked closer into the wall and I was working on the wall, I saw all of the cracks because there was problems in the foundation. I saw the cracks. I saw the old terrible choices of paint that were put on the fireplace. All of these other things, there were things that were, that were pushed together and I had to sand down and I had to work on and all of this stuff the brokenness and the ugliness that was behind it. And I realized that that represents our life. And I realized also that if that wall would have, would have not allowed me to do what I wanted to do on it, it wouldn't have turned out the way I wanted it to. And that's what God does when he gets a hold of our lives. God comes into our lives and when we surrender to him and we say, God, make me new, what we do is literally say, God, have your way with me. I want you to touch me. I want you to, to, to do what you, you only you can do. And what God does is he comes and he puts his craftsmanship on us and he works in our lives and he finds the broken areas. He finds the poor decisions. He finds all of the things that we've done in the past that have made us messed up, that have broken us, that have done all of these different things. And what God does is he, he puts his craftsmanship, his beauty in our lives. And what I did when I looked at the wall, I was complete with it. And I, I backed up and I said, you know what? I made that. And I believe that's what God does when he looks at us. He looks at our lives and says, you know what? I made that. I did that. I put something new on them. And what, 
What the wall represents is the blood of Jesus covering all of the sins and all of the past mistakes that we've ever made. All of the brokenness and all of our addictions and all of our failings and all of the things that we couldn't measure up to God for. What God does is he covers us. And now when God looks at us, he doesn't judge us based on what we've done in the past. He judges us based on the son, Jesus, his blood that covers us and makes us new. And that's what Jesus does in our lives. And so how do you become different? You allow God to put his craftsmanship in your life, making you new from the inside out. Not trying to stand out and be different in the ways of the world, but allowing yourself to be touched by the creator. Allowing yourself to be vulnerable in the presence of God and say, you know what, God, I've made mistakes. I have messed up. I have things that if people have touched me, they've hurt me, they've broke me in the past. But you know what, God, today I want you to do something new in my life. If anybody is in Christ, he is a new creation, the Bible says. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. See, when God looks at you today, he doesn't judge you based on you. He judges you based on his son, Jesus. And that is the greatest news that when, one day we will stand before God covered by the blood of Jesus and nothing can, be, can judge us because God cannot judge his own son. Perfection cannot judge perfection. And so that is our righteousness. Jesus is our righteousness. We are clothed in the blood of Jesus. And that is good news today, church. That is good news today, church. So today, if you have brokenness, if you have sin in your life, today is the day. Going into 2019, don't let another day go by where you don't surrender your life to Jesus. It's all about Jesus and what he did on the cross 2,000 years ago. It's all about Jesus. You couldn't work for it. You couldn't obtain it. You couldn't do it yourself. But God can do it in your life. Would you bow your heads with me today? I want to pray for you. If there is anybody here today that says, you know what, I, I understand that brokenness. I have brokenness. I have sin. I have things that I need to get right in my life. If that's you today with nobody looking around, I want you to just slip up your hand and say, you know what, I'm going to give my life to Jesus today. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand all over this room. I see your hand. God sees your hand. An amazing decision. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God, right now, I pray as we give our hearts to you, as we surrender our lives to you, our brokenness to you, Jesus. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would come in and that you would make us new, God. Make us new right now. Every heart that has their, every person that has their hand lifted up, God, I pray that you would come into their heart. That you would touch them, that you would mold them, that you would shape them, that you would allow them to live the life that you have called them to live, God. Today, Lord Jesus, we commit as a church to stop complaining, to stop making excuses because we want to focus. We commit to focusing on you, Jesus. You are our promise. You are what we look forward to, Jesus, every single day. And God, we commit to being different, allowing you to shine in our lives. Father, you are so good to us. I pray right now that you would bless the end of this year and may we all have a wonderful new year going into 2019, living for you, shining for you, proclaiming the goodness of Jesus. We thank you, God. You are so good. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You get this word, church? Yes? Awesome. I want to remind you, we are not resolution people. We are commitment people. All right, God bless you. Love you.